Welcome back to the State of Sports Media Podcast from Sports and Society. This is Brad. I'm here with Kyle. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I've got uh, Wimbledon in the small screen while we're talking. Um, Federer's up 2-1, but they're on serve. <laughs> um, yeah, how about you? I'm doing pretty well. It's a, it's a great sports day. So it's. Um, uh, have you watched any of the Cricket World Cup this morning? Yeah, I have that on the television. <laughs> so if, if, yep. uh, if you can't focus at any point, we know what's uh, what's going on here. So I'm actually I'm embarrassed by today. Uh, I'm like before I even like got started today, I was embarrassed by it because this we've got cricket World Cup today, Tour de France, Wimbledon final. Um, Formula One, and so it's just an incredibly colonial day. <laughs> well, I guess that's that's uh, that's the negative spin to put on it. So yeah, it's all it's also sports I I really love watching. So yeah, um, I'm really disappointed India is not in this Cricket World Cup final. They deserve to be there in my mind. Yep, but, I agree. Like if yeah, I think they if had they, like one off day. Yeah, when, if they had played the same day as they started that game, I'm fairly convinced they would have they would have won. And yet, I agree. Um, I just yeah. you can't. I don't think you can fathom the amount of weirdness coming back out to bowl four overs and then bat. That just seems really odd. Um, yeah, I agree. All right, but anyway, what else? Uh, what, what's on your mind from this past week, man? Megan Rapinoe, uh, I think she was the highlight of the last several days for me. Uh, I found it just really, really inspiring. And uh, I, I admired how she handled all of it. I admired how she's still handling all of it. And um, I find the U.S. women's national team to um, – just be really inspiring right now. Uh, it, it, it's it's fun to be a, a fan of them and a sports fan when something like this is happening. Hmm. Um, and I think even more so, like if sports and society had awards and anybody cared about us giving awards, I feel like we would give them an award. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just been fun to watch, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, I have very interesting feelings about the whole thing. Like it's if I put aside my political hat and I'm just looking at it from um, a soccer perspective I actually found myself rooting for several of the other teams over this U.S. team I thought the French team played better soccer than the U.S. team did yet when you include all of the political importance of what's doing it's hard not to be like this is the most important thing and the coolest thing happening right now Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the feeling of uh, almost kind of like a, a snarky resentment sort of thing of like those that don't think sports are political hmm. uh, and continually push that and or just are ignorant of uh, sports um, political salience. And so I, I just enjoyed that whole piece of that. It was undeniable and a part of it. And it ultimately, I would say it was like an extreme net positive. Uh, but I also agree with you that the actual gameplay of the U.S. was 
in my opinion, more about heart and energy than it was piecing together beautiful soccer. Well, yeah, and I think that was the thing is that they just they out physical. Uh, they were just better athletes than anybody else and yeah you know in some ways it's epitomized by Megan Rapinoe winning the golden boot and everything despite the fact that I thought she in open play was underwhelming the entire tournament and yet there's no doubt she was the most important player Mm -hmm. and talisman of the whole of the whole thing I agree she struggled especially in that final I felt like Mm -hmm. yeah um, her and Carly Lloyd both, I felt like, were really struggling. But, but they're also tough. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. and the mentality is so strong yeah. that you just have to really appreciate. You know that to, when you're not playing well, and then to make all the penalties that Rapino yeah. made is just I have immense respect for her in that world. And how I, you can't help but think that. The president of the United States of America would have mocked her had she missed a penalty. Mm-hmm. And like that, like I don't know if there's been more pressure on a, <laughs> you know, on a penalty kick. Um, so to step up and bury all those, uh, it's impressive. Yeah. But what about you? So um, I've been really fascinated by. Um, two things um one the cricket world cup and just i'm blown away by how enjoyable it is to watch Mm -hmm. the pace of play everyone that hates on cricket the pace of play is just the most enjoyable thing i have experienced in sports in a long time yeah um but the thing that's captivated me most is this lebron and uh anthony davis jersey thing have you followed this at all i know it's a story but i don't know what the story is so the story is that when AD's coming to LA uh, and LeBron is like, hey, I've been wearing 23, but I'm going to give it to you as a gesture of goodwill and appreciation for you coming here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nike stepped in and said, no, you can't do that. We've already printed too many LeBron jerseys with number 23, uh, and it would kill us financially to have to eat that cost. And so now they're going to have to play another year in their numbers before they can switch uh, starting next year. Hmm. <laughs> the thought of Nike hurting financially is pretty hilarious. <laughs> well, but to think that, like, you know, they're not, they come off looking horrible in this story. Yep. And yet they knew that was going to happen. And so the financial hit must have been pretty damn significant for them to, to go feel like they it. could go through with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> what a weird thing. <laughs> Seriously. Well, AD has come out and said that he's peeved about it, like publicly gone on record saying that. Also, what a bizarre thing of how much we care about what numbers on a jersey. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Uh, I just saw a headline this morning on Bleacher Report that Eden Hazard is like playing up this Michael Jordan thing by playing mm-hmm. number twenty three. <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. It it is a weird thing, uh, you know. In soccer, you can kind of understand it because these numbers have such history behind them. But it's relatively right. recent, and you know, it, it goes to state Jordan's influence on everybody. It is. It's. It, I couldn't think of anything else to point to except for Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's an icon in every way. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess baseball, the numbers mean a lot, right? The that you retire the, the like yeah. numbers on the wall. I think that are retired are significant, and then of course Jackie Robinson. But I wonder when. I don't know the date of when baseball started to commemorate forty-two so much. It's not been that, that long was. ago. I don't no, know. I think it's our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, it's a it's a weird thing, and then of course it brings attention to the, how crazy this NBA offseason has been. My goodness. Uh, this offseason I have paid more attention to and been more excited by than the finals, which is a weird thing to say. It's uh, Is it an outlier offseason, do you think? I think compared to past, but I think it's probably going to be the way it always is moving forward. Yeah, so I, I guess that is the thing that seems interesting and significant to me is that this is just the new normal. Well, it really, I mean, I think we're seeing, this is what this offseason in soccer has been like for years. And I think we're right, finally exactly. seeing it come yeah. here. Yeah. There have been, for years, the soccer teams have been like, I have to get rid of this guy because he's not going to perform right. if I don't, uh, if he doesn't want to be here. And so they, now we're finally seeing that uh, in the NBA. And I think we'll probably see it everywhere. It'll be interesting to see how many more. Le'Veon Bell type situations we have uh, in the NFL and uh, in other places. So. Right. I will say I loved uh, Dwayne Wade. Of course, did this uh, these jersey swaps this previous season because it was his last, and he's now like no one's going to believe it that everything <laughs> is different one year later. They're like every every jersey I have, the guy's on a different team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, which roster is most interesting to you hmm most interesting or like the one you'll like really be like intrigued to watch well this is tough for me because in some ways i'm most intrigued to watch the pelicans Mm -hmm. uh, because they've got some really interesting pieces that have changed hands there um on the same side um i'll be uh Intrigued to see if the Celtics have addition by subtraction with Kyrie, Kyrie being gone. Yeah. Uh, but following the soap opera that has been Kyrie's career is probably the the one that will lead to the most juice this year, I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. I, I think know. that Clippers team will be really fun to watch. Um, I have no idea what to think of Brooklyn. That'll be weird. Yeah. Um but then, yeah, the the Russell Westbrook Harden combo. I have no idea what that looks like. Uh, if I were a betting man, um, I would put I would put a long shot. Uh, if you could get good odds, I'd put it on the Rockets right now. I think there's the real potential that it turns out to be a massive success. Yeah. Um, and then so they still probably blow it up. On they still yeah. probably just blow up in the playoffs at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, I just there's some stuff about like you know, um, you know, the, Russ can't shoot threes. Everybody thinks that's why it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are two ball dominant players, but I think there's also a way to look at it where you can look at it and say, you know, Russ has struggled for the past couple of years because he's had no shooting around him. All of a sudden, he's going to have shooting around him, right? Um, and then also that this efficiency basketball 
layups and free throws matter just as much as three pointers. And Russ is really good at layups and free throws. Right. Um, and so I think there's a potential for this to be a really interesting fit, especially if you wind up with Russ going against second, uh, second teams a lot of the time. That could be right. a really interesting lineup uh, yeah. situation. But I don't like either of those guys, so I will not be watching very much of it. But uh, it could be very interesting from a uh, analytical standpoint. They'll have a ton of highlights of people getting fouled at the rim. <laughs> and a ton of highlights of really uh, heavy isolation. I mean, just think, you know, this is what, when the uh, uh, when Russ almost made the final with KD, a few years ago, they were playing almost the exact same kind of basketball they'll be playing down there. You know, one on one, just break right. it down, take turns. Who's going to go at him this time? Right. Who knows? Yep. Yep. Anyway, well, you want to talk about Bleacher Report? Let's talk about Bleacher Report. Okay. Obviously, that's our our media outlet for this week that we're digging into, and I'm really glad I was under the weather last week. Um, and we didn't get to record, and I'm really glad of that because we got treated to this amazing uh, congratulatory image that they put out for the U.S. Women's National Team. Did you see this? Oh, I actually didn't look at it, but I saw the headlines that they made some stupid cartoon and, and had oh, to delete it. It's pretty phenomenal. I mean, they, so what happened was they made uh, this image where the front line was uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. Not all of them, mind you, just like 15 of the members of the team. Uh, and then behind them were all of these famous American figures, including people like Kendrick Lamar and Obama and um, uh, it, just a number. Travis Scott, uh, the rapper, was on there. And it just was a very odd uh, image in every single way, both in terms of how it looked and the decision to compose it and the decision to put it out. And it was just uh, Bleacher Report to a T in some ways in terms of uh, it's an odd, odd outlet that's heavy on social media that I think we, meaning you and I, probably don't understand as well as others do. That that's that segue or goes together very nicely with an experience I had this week talking about Bleach Report. So I brought it up to my students, and it got an immediate reaction. Uh, in that every one of my students was very aware of Bleacher Report and what it is and how it works, and they all kind of had an experience with Bleacher Report, Interesting. Uh, which was fascinating to me. I was like, oh, <laughs> I felt very, very old. Uh, and I also feel old when I'm on the website, I think, is kind of my introduction to it, is I, I kind of feel like it's just not for us. Um, and I'll go as far as to say that the first time, so I, I don't look at Bleacher Report, so I was like kind of new to it. I mean, I looked at it years ago, but I haven't been on Bleacher Report really in the last few years. And so going to that homepage, I felt really old because I kind of didn't even know what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, what is, what, how do I use this thing on, what, what is the internet? Um, and so I would just say that it, for, for me personally, it was like, oh, this is, uh, this is dating me and, and I'm not engaging with the internet like a younger audience is. I feel the need to make a joke about how, well, it's not like anybody else would date you, but, um, but, uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. It was just right there. Um, <laughs> you know, I had a similar reaction and I was like, you know, kind of reading the thing, the homepage, you're like, this doesn't feel like the way this news is supposed to be engaged with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of made me think, you know, I, uh, I have been doing more and more of my sports attention watching on Twitter um, and, but I feel like this is where if I were on Instagram, I would really understand Bleacher Report and get behind it. And just, just this morning, I finally spent, you know, a couple of hours delving into their, um, Instagram stuff and it's very enjoyable stuff. It's also very short attention span stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, you know, they have, uh, like a rotating cast of, um, uh, I don't know. They're not necessarily long form, but more serious journalism pieces. Uh, And then the rest of it is just a uh, kind of collection of exciting things that they think you want to know about. Yeah. Um, Which I, you know, on some level I really enjoy because I can go here and I can go to the Virginia college basketball page and they've got just fun highlights of Kyle Guy playing in summer league or, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know these recruits that are coming in and what they're some video that that's come up and it, that's on some level that's very enjoyable. It's also very shallow and empty, um, mm-hmm. but um, just a, an interesting way of uh, looking at it. Well, I feel like it's made for Snapchat um, and mm-hmm. Instagram, like you said. Like it's that's where. So I asked my students. I was like, "Where do you engage with Bleacher Report?" And they were all like, "Oh, Snapchat." Hmm. Um, which, which yeah, I'm not on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I had for a minute and like, what is this? I don't know how to work this. Yeah, I got it for a moment so I could try and figure out how to put funny faces on my one year old daughter, and then couldn't figure it out, so I deleted the app. That's about <laughs> that's about how it went for me. <laughs> oh, but, uh, so I, many I, millennials are not <laughs> listening to our podcast. No. Uh, well, these are not millennials. This is the next generation. We're the millennials. Um, yeah. Um, I will say it's interesting to kind of piggyback on that, um, that sports has always been a very visual thing. Um, and so a lot of the stuff we've been talking about in the classics of the thing have always been uh, writing because it's always been hard to get the video piece. And now that video and uh, photographic evidence is all that that easy to put out. Uh, it right. just makes sense that a media that is focused on that over the writing would be successful in some ways because it is in some ways, you know, watching these guys do, there's a reason that sports centers top 10 is perhaps responsible for a lot of sports centers success. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I never tuned in to hear the talking heads when I was in, uh, college i just wanted to see the highlights from the games exactly yeah i didn't start paying attention to punditry and journalism and sports really until college yeah. um right and so from age eight to 18 i was watching highlights <laughs> that's what mattered yeah um, and and bleacher report has uh they're perfectly exploiting that which makes that top 10 interesting and compelling mm-hmm. um, yeah. And they're like they've take they've exponentially multiplied its effect. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. 
They're also, rank them? Yeah, I do. Real quick, though, I just want yeah, to say that they're also really good at creating their own little viral content. I mean, their Game of Zones stuff is phenomenal. Um, so I, I haven't know. watched any of it, but they're like winning Emmys and stuff, right? Yeah, it's so good, man. You've got to spend that's what I've heard. Yeah, a little bit of time. On it. I mean, it's not. You're not going to be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. But you're going to be like, that's that's clever. I'm I'm mm-hmm. uh, I'm intrigued by that. Um, and they do a number of other things that they'll they're in on the meme culture in a way that nobody else is really in on right now, um, mm-hmm. and everybody else is trying to catch up with it. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's get to the rankings. So in terms of quality of articles, essays, journalism, we've got them fairly low here at a nine. Um, do you want to dig into the, kind of why that is? Yeah, I suppose for me in the first place, it's because it's hard to get to the actual essays. Mm. Uh, they might feature like three at the top right when you get there. Uh, but then the rest of that front page is mostly just videos and video content, as we were mentioning. Uh, however, once you do get to the essays and the journalism, it's it's not extensive, it's not expansive, it's not super deep cutting. However, it's also pretty solid um, in that it's not like painful or anything to get through the essays. And then here and there, I've come across some that are, are quite good. Uh, and even discovered that in a deeper dive into their archives, especially they have a a magazine tab, which seemingly isn't updated all that often. But um, digging into that a little bit, they say it's it's um, in production in that they're trying to expand the magazine part. But some of those mag pieces are are pretty good um, that I read. I probably read four or five of them, and they were they were really solid. So. Um, a nine works in the sense that it's hard to get to the essays, but when you get there, they're pretty good. Yeah, Do you agree? I, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, that's, uh, again, it's it, partly they're just not producing that much um, of their yeah. own, um, right. which is probably something that would benefit some other outlets to think about. Um, mm-hmm. Just in terms of, you know, there's, there's an argument to be made that um, – Sports Illustrated was on to it when they only had to produce, you know, two quality articles a week mm-hmm. type thing. Um, and so I think uh, in some ways, uh, if it wasn't as good as it is, um, which is not like it's groundbreaking, but if it wasn't enjoyable to read, then it wouldn't work. But at the mm-hmm. same time, um, it's intriguing. And I'm glad that they do a bit of it because I could see them totally going away from original journalism entirely yeah it makes me wonder the extent to which that is actually what is worth monetizing for them Mm -hmm. and i would have to imagine uh, there's conversations that happen in boardrooms that are like do we really want to keep paying for this um but that kind of that kind of relates to the diversity of voices thing do you want to explain like what bleacher report is insofar as uh how they garner their talent yeah, so it's a. Um, I think before we came on air, I described it as very democratic, and so most of their content is essentially crowdsourced by whatever is um, interesting and whatever people are responding to. And so, you know, if you're out there and you're creating compelling content about college basketball, um, then you're going to get picked up by 
uh, Bleacher Report, and there's a question as to whether or not you know you're not being necessarily paid by that, but uh, it's uh, uh, it is an interesting way, and I think it's uh, it means that they're getting different and unique voices in a way that someone like CBS or ESPN, who's only ever going to promote their own voices, uh, is not going to get. Right. Yeah, and that's what digging into their archives one finds like thousands of writers right and so to gauge the extent to which they have a diversity of voice uh in like that way you have to like really applaud it um mm-hmm. and it's seemingly too this sounds curmudgeon but it's like the non-annoying version of crowdsourcing uh i'm not sure what i mean by that other than like uh junk doesn't come to the top there's usually like something clever or mm-hmm. uh, and, and a lot of the stuff that's funny on the website isn't um, incriminating, I, I find. Uh, I wouldn't call it incriminating. It might be embarrassing at times, but I feel like a lot of what the Internet does is find that which is um, derogatory or mm-hmm. on, along the lines of bullying. And so it, a lot of crowdsourcing, I feel like, leads to the worst parts of us ourselves as a society but this is a, a version of crowdsourcing that actually seems pretty positive well yeah and i think it's they're putting they're being unabashedly they're not they, i'm sure they have an algorithm but they're also mm-hmm. there's a i think um you know i don't know they're back in but i'm imagining that it requires a person to put these tweets and things in that they want to be emphasized and i think that what we're seeing is that they have a pretty good handle on how to get that information out and really you know i'm looking at the college basketball homepage right now and every time every new thing i'm i'm like oh this is interesting um Mm -hmm. it's not like setting my world on fire but um there's not a lot of blank content that i'm not interested in Mm -hmm. um so Anyway, it's it's an interesting and different kind of thing. Totally, I would uh, suggest different from anything else we've talked about to this point. Mm-hmm. And we may get to something in the future like a Reddit where it's on the other side and um, totally crowdsourced and algorithm-driven, and I'll be intrigued if we feel differently about that. But um, uh, Yeah, I might go ahead and already predict, right, that Reddit is what I was describing, that Bleacher Report is not... <laughs> In, in many ways, it, it doesn't dig into the doldrums of stuff that's pretty depraved. Yeah. Although that being said, I've been, if you don't go looking for it on Reddit, I've been relatively pleased recently with how Reddit uh, is populating with stories for me. So, who okay. knows? We'll, yeah. I'll keep an open mind. <laughs> well, uh, political engagement, they're pretty daggone low because they're they play to what's popular. They're never going to be one that's going to push the envelope in terms of, uh, what's, uh, what's possible politically. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it's an opportunity to acknowledge how much of a commodity Bleacher Report is. Mm. And of course, almost every outlet we've talked about is commodified, but Bleacher Report seems to take that to the extreme, uh, and say like, what is going to be the best business model and have that guide the content and how the mm. content is cultivated. And so in that way, what's an easy way to make sure everyone will love it is you keep opinion out of it. 
Um, so real deal editorializing, I only found in the archives of the magazine, but in the like 10 days of going through the webpage, I, I don't think I came across a, a politically engaged article. No, and even the stuff that they're crowdsourcing is usually not, um, not there. I mean, even, so even something as, um, easy to kind of dig into as, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, the NCAA's got all this stuff going on about, you know, they're going to be leveling violations at a number of college basketball programs. Even that stuff where, um, apparently a number of coaches are pissed that it's not happening sooner and all this stuff. And, uh, nothing like that is going to show up on here. Even something that's going to be potentially, um, fine uh they're just not going to go to that space and potentially alienate someone Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point do you enjoy going to the site i don't necessarily enjoy going to the site but i enjoy engaging with their content Mm -hmm. um and that it's again it's not something that i want to sit down on a weekend and uh, after this i'm going to spend an hour two hours reading their stuff, but it is something where if let's say I'm on uh, Instagram and I see house of highlights or bleacher report pop up or I'm, when I'm on Twitter, I see it pop up. It's almost always something that I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, right. That's fun. Um, yeah. Uh, and so again, the website, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not fun to visit the website. You're kind of like, what is, what is happening here? It feels like a jumbled mess most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, their content is enjoyable to me, um, which mm-hmm. is why we give them a 13 because they're kind of in a, a weird space that uh, is different from what we've seen before. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, a couple of things that are just kind of materializing for me uh, in regards to how much I enjoy visiting the site is it's, I feel a little neurotic when I'm on the homepage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of all over the place and don't know where to look. Uh, it also, I think you mentioned earlier when we were talking about it that it uh, it probably has more soccer content than any website we've talked about so mm-hmm. far. And I kind of didn't realize until I started visiting Bleacher Report this week that I really appreciated that and enjoyed that, um, mm-hmm. having easy access to soccer content. Um, and yeah, so I, I think I didn't realize that. And then lastly, I think... This is maybe an interesting thing to talk about, but maybe not. But highlights, as I get older, are becoming less and less interesting to me. Hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what that is, other than it's. I, I don't know that's what, if that's what's compelling to me as much anymore as it is like these more nuanced parts of these sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, the the showiness of uh, of a moment in sports is still compelling, but not as much as it used to be. Now, the other side of that is I watched Bryce Harper's throw this morning on Bleacher Report and like watched it twice. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw it, but he threw someone out at third from the warning track. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll have to dig into that maybe a little bit. Well, I do think yeah, there's a difference. I. I I think there's a difference between the headlines and the highlights necessarily. I think you can still, I still enjoy the highlights probably as much as I ever have. Seeing a moment, you know, seeing Jackson Hayes absolutely destroy somebody mm-hmm. in the summer league is still really fun. But you're right mm-hmm. that in some ways, like, I don't care about the story 
of um, Kawhi going to the Clippers, as much as I care about the story about how Kawhi has handled that transition, that's uh, and I don't know if that's quite what you're talking about, but that's definitely how, where I am in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about notoriety of talent? So pretty low, just because they don't have a ton of their own talent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are a few folks, and, you know, I'd be intrigued to see as they get more, lean more into the soccer space with their, um, with some of that stuff, um, uh, will we see more of that? Um, and I don't know. Um, will we see Stu Holden become a writer for them? I'm doubtful mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I just don't want to read Stu Holden. But uh, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, right now it's not particularly prominent. But any any thoughts from you? Well, yeah, I agree that the crowdsourcing part makes it difficult. And then I keep mentioning that in the archives, I found a bunch of writers that I really admire uh, that were brought in for guest essays and guest editorials for different reasons. Uh, so, for example, coming across coming across a Roxanne Gay essay was um, I was like, whoa, this is this is fascinating. I didn't know this was happening. And then I also that we have failed to mention what Bleacher Report is attempting in television, uh, and in more than just highlights. In this, in the sense that they're gonna, they have a full blast subscription service uh, for watching live sports, and that they're putting a ton of money probably into that. It seems really interesting and significant to me. Um, it also might be something we talk about in along the lines of uh, sustainability. Will it last? Uh, but that they covered Champions League as they did, I, that that's fascinating to me, right? That like no one else is attempting that beyond Fox, ESPN, and then major networks, at least in the United States. Um, and so to have another player in the game at that level is is pretty fascinating. Um, so this this was interesting to me. I read an article here. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not sure how to pronounce the name of the outlet here. Digiday. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the right how to pronounce it, but um, they were actually writing that um, they don't expect. Their CEO was saying they don't expect to be expanding the paid subscription model. Okay. Uh, which was interesting. That apparently that stuff that they do with BR Live does not go into Bleacher Report's bottom line, which makes me wonder. Um, so they're doing all this stuff, this live stuff with TNT and Warner Media and stuff. And I'm wondering if that, uh, how much of that is just using the outward platform as a way to get Bleacher Report's name out to a new audience and then driving people to their other content as opposed mm-hmm. to, so it's essentially a Turner Media production right. and all the revenue goes to Turner Media, but right. Bleacher Report gets the benefit of having their name attached to them. Free advertising for the website and all the content. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Because it's essentially a TNT uh, NBA show applied to soccer. Mm-hmm. And did you read that essay about that? About, um, I forget the other. So Steve Nash, two Holden, and then two other. Do you remember who the two others are? No. I don't care. About I don't know their names. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to whoever uh, you are, but uh, but they have these lofty ambitions of uh, being what the NBA 
uh, TNT show is. Hmm. Um, like that's their aim, that's their model, and that's what they're going for. Uh, they went as far as to like, uh, and still do. They go to every taping of the NBA show, um, and like sit there and take notes uh, and see what Shaq and Charles and Kenny and all them are up to. Um, yeah, that is a lofty, lofty have ambition. Those charisma of any of those people. <laughs> yeah, those are like. Um, I also, mean, Charles Barkley and Shaq are iconic, right? And I don't know if Steve Nash and Stu Holden got that in them. Yeah, I mean, you have to be willing to say, like, off-the-wall crap, but I don't see Stu Holden or or Steve Nash saying anything controversial. Yeah. And you have to say those things. You have to say, you know, you're a dumbass for thinking that. And Well, and the social capital and cultural capital that Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley have is unmatched. They, mm-hmm. You know, they're two, two of the most capable commentators on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's, well, it's also, you know, there's a really interesting question about um, whitewashing in there and, you know, is it even possible? Yeah, I don't folks? think it is. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, but anyway, hmm. good luck. Yep. I <laughs> Find know. somebody other than Stu Holden and Steve Nash. Yeah. You got some work to do on that talent. Yes. All right. Well, relationship with advertising, um, we've got them at a 14. The website I think is a little bit better than some of the others, um, we've looked at, um, but it's still, it's still a website, uh, yep. with all of the trappings involved with that. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest for me is that you can watch videos without ads. Mm-hmm. You know, that's massive for me. I don't watch videos on ESPN's website, really, um, because I got to either skip through a 30 second ad or just watch all of it. Um, and so to watch an 18 second clip uh, necessitating 30 seconds of ad is just not worth it. Yeah, agreed. Um, so I think that's the part that they've mastered. Um, Bleacher Report is like in the forefront, I think, on that for me. Hmm. Um, Coverage of non-mainstream sports. Did we say a three? We gave them a six. A six, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't write that Um, one down. And that's Um, partly because they do have some weirder stuff. They're leaning into some of the... um, uh, stuff that you and I don't care about, but probably we need to include here in terms of Formula One, uh, NASCAR, gaming stuff, um, NBA 2K. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of that stuff, um, uh, which is good to see. But also I think partly this is because they're just so heavy in the soccer um, mm-hmm. world, which is not something anybody else we've been seeing willing to invest in that. Right. Uh Golf was pretty thin, I felt like. Um, cycling, I couldn't find any. No, um, but yeah. we, we we keep to ourselves, you know. <laughs> That's the most insular, awesome thing I think you've said. We we don't even want coverage. <laughs> don't. We, we, we're fine. We don't need you all. Well, it comes in some ways from every time we make ESPN, it's because someone was caught doping. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. So we're like, no, screw big, you. Big Go crashes away. and doping. Yeah, I'm with you. I love that. Uh, you think they'll last? I do. Um, well, 
let me be let me be clear. I think this is a complicated question. Um, mm-hmm. So to dig in, we give them pretty high on sustainability. We give them a sixteen, uh, and so put some numbers behind that. You know, their own uh, Warner Media has invested a bunch of money in there, but they're expected to make two hundred million in revenue this year, which is up forty nine percent from last year after already setting some pretty aggressive goals. Um, they apparently make four or five times what they made when they were acquired by Turner Media in 2012. 500 employees uh, with a plan to invest more in long-form video programming. I don't know if you saw they did a documentary on uh, Ron Artest that's coming out, but they're also leaning into their commerce, which is an interesting thing of selling Bleacher Report clothing and things like that um, and -hmm. doing some event things, which apparently has been wildly successful uh, to do event and branded activations at uh, major events. Um, all of these things that you and I kind of roll our eyes at, but are probably sustainability-wise really important for them. I agree. It's like laughable how inept we are for commenting on something like that. <laughs> we right? like, uh, we yeah. are not going to go to Bleacher Report's all-star game hangout area and, <laughs> and pay whatever it costs to go in there. Not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I agree. I I think they'll be around, and I, again, I don't know the the long long game financial incentives that are out there for a website like this. But a part of me has to think that it's um, there may be just at the beginning of what a website like this is capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, that there might be a huge upside, but. I could also, I, it shows how ignorant I am. If they were like, we're laying off 250 people next year, I would be like, ah, oh, I could do that, I guess. Um, but overall, I think uh, the way they've grown recently and the kind of product they have and keep pushing that is seemingly really popular, uh, I think they'll be around. Yeah. But I'm and- not sure they're good for society. <laughs> Well, and um, just interestingly to note and throw in there is the House of Highlights uh, mm-hmm. is, accounts for 10% of Bleacher Report's total revenue, um, mm-hmm. which is amazing to think that an Instagram, Twitter channel run by essentially two dudes is bringing mm-hmm. in uh, uh, $20 million in revenue a year. That is really incredible. It is phenomenal, yeah. There's a lot of money for very little labor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, um, given that they're owned by Turner Media, we did give them a nine for ownership responsibility. Do you have any strong feelings about about that? Um, I don't think I do, other than it's similar to a lot of these other major outlets is that corporate backing seemingly has to be there in some way shape or form or you go like the athletic and you go completely uh subscriber driven um so in that way it's like it's where do you fall on that right is uh, is turner itself uh, a bad thing in the world there's plenty of evidence to say yes but it's also um the nature of capitalism i suppose <laughs> Well, what do you think? Are they good for society? I think and I think what I said earlier, I'll stand by it, is I don't think they're bad for society. 
uh, I don't think they're hurting anything all that much. Um, it's pretty neutral for me. What would you say? I think that's absolutely the case. You know, I don't, you know, we gave the athletics some credit for, you know, saving slash destroying beat journalism at the same time. I want to give them Bleacher Point a little bit of credit for leaning into team support. Um, mm mm-hmm and allowing folks to do that but it is um it is a space where i don't think there anyone can argue that they're actively doing something that's good for society right yeah Um, they may be adding value and enjoyment to people's lives in some way but it's not like they're they're uh, changing anything for the better in the way that we want them to yeah they're not challenging the patriarchy or institutional injustice yeah Yeah. but will you continue to look at bleacher report i will probably add their follow them on instagram um or Mm -hmm. maybe their their br football Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but i don't know i won't visit the website again anytime soon yeah i don't think i really will either They're an interesting, what's that? What's interesting that total? Game. So that puts them at ninety nine, which is um, an interesting one because it's we haven't really had anything in that space. Mm. Uh, you know, our SI and was our kind of lowest intermediate before at one twenty. Uh, the others that we kind of like, you know, um, uh, ESPN, The Ringer, The Athletic, all kind of wind up in that one twenty to one forty range, and mm. obviously. Barstool did very poorly. The Guardian did very well, and Bleacher Report is kind of in no man's land between uh, those. Interesting. It is, yeah. It's interesting to see what other outlet would come close to Bleacher Report. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm intrigued as well. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, what are you paying attention to this coming week, man? Uh, I kind of hit it in the opening, um, but I guess just a recap of uh, today is pretty exciting. Um, so, yeah, I'll pay attention to the rest of this Cricket World Cup match and then uh, definitely pay attention to this Wimbledon match. Um, so those two things are on the highlight for me today. Um, and then uh, Formula One is in an interesting state. Um, it's all but decided, really. I mean, something really drastically horrible would have to happen for Lewis Hamilton not to win the championship this year. Mm. Um, but he did not win a race, uh, the last race he did not win. Um, so that was significant. And then today they're at Silverstone, which is in England. So England today is F1 Wimbledon and cricket World Cup. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of crazy. But what about you? Yeah. So, uh, and then you add on top of that for me today, you get Tour de France stuff. Yep. So that'll be fascinating to follow. Um, and that'll be fascinating this coming week to follow. That'll be where my, most of my attentions lie. You know, it's kind of a wide open race. Um, and I have no idea really what to expect. We've had one mountaintop, but it's a bit of an odd mountaintop, really explosive finish. So it's not like some of these grinds that we're going to see later on. And one of the things that's excited me about cycling these last couple of years is that, uh, with doping playing less of a role in the sport, um, 
things change over the course of three weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody that wasn't their best on that first climb winds up by the end of the thing being the strongest at the end and, and making it really interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't but, gotten to watch much this season yet, but uh, I'm like you. I'll pay attention to those last few stages if it's close. I will say we neglected to do this, but I want to give a big shout out to Simona Halep. Um, yeah. Who um, she absolutely waxed <laughs> Serena in that match. That was brutal. Well, and I have always had a soft spot for her. I I don't know what it is. There's a small part of me that I think might have a crush on Simona Hollip, but um, <laughs> uh, I'll lean into that and just say I, uh, I was really happy because I feel like she's coming up short. Like every time she's had this opportunity and to finally win at such absolutely dominant form over the best player ever in women's tennis is. Uh, it was pretty special. Yeah, she made Serena Williams look very normal. Yeah. It was impressive. It was fun to watch. Well, who are you rooting for in this Federer-Jokic uh, match? Uh, probably Federer a little bit. Um, I, I think Djokovic gets a bad rap uh, ultimately, but I, I would like to see Federer win. Something about Federer winning at Wimbledon is just always fun. He did, and that's the thing is like I, I'm actually I really like Djokovic just because uh, of the way he plays in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, just that there's the dog mentality in there that mm-hmm. uh, is hard not to uh, like. I think, um, but there is something Federer's got the romanticism of it down. You know this. Yeah, exactly. The, the, you know he's this ruggedly handsome Swedish or um, Swiss guy that's going to come in and dominate for years and years and years in this elegant play that he never seems to sweat or anything. It's perfect for Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, And he puts on a sport coat for the trophy ceremony. Well, I think you compare like Djokovic is a much better fit for like the Australian open and the U S open, but Federer is just feels like he should win Wimbledon every time. Right. Yeah. It'll be a fun day. It will be a fun day. All righty, sir. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. And uh, for all y'all's listening, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen to this. And we hope you'll be back next week where we'll, uh, we'll talk about something else, somebody else that we'll hopefully enjoy paying attention to. But in the meantime, uh, uh, Watch some cricket. That's what you should be doing with your week. Yeah. Slow down and watch some cricket. That's right. Yeah.